Hi, and welcome to the Overflow Podcast. I'm Chuck Ammons, lead pastor of Overflow Church in Brandon, Florida, and we are here to help you receive the Father's love and to release it to everyone you encounter everywhere. Wherever you're listening from today, your God adores you. I pray this message elevates and ignites your faith. On this podcast, you will find biblical messages to activate your faith so you experience the goodness of God and the greatness of your unique voice in His kingdom. To find out more about Overflow Church, visit us at overflowchurch.com or on Facebook at Overflow Church Brandon. We'd also love to encourage you to check out our book, Life in the Overflow, and its accompanying devotional on amazon.com. Go here coming in communion together. Because if you think about this, the breaking of the bread and the taking of the wine, you're, you're dealing with two of the most foundational elements that we could ever find on the planet, but they're so rich in meaning. You see, for the Israelites, they would have remembered in that bread that there was miraculous bread that God gave in the time of their slavery, manna from heaven that came and provided for them in a difficult time. So the bread is a joy. We take and we eat in joy, but then the bread is also the broken body of our Savior who came fully to sacrifice. It's every one of us who recognize that love is doing what is best for someone else. Love isn't a feeling, right? Love is a verb. DC Talk got it right so many years ago. Love is an action that we pour ourselves out. And so when we eat of this, we're not just saying he's the God that provides, but he's the God that fully provided himself. And he's the God, not only for the times that we're broken to say, I'll feed you, but sometimes to look at us in the broken ways. And listen, there's brokenness in this room. There are places where sacrifices have been made, and you've been crying out prayers, and you feel like they've been hitting the ceiling. And when you eat of communion, he says, yeah, I've been broken too. And sometimes brokenness is what love looks like. It's a bread of joy and a bread of brokenness. You take the wine and you look at this, and, and literally in the New Testament, you read about the wine being the, the wine of our joy. And you think about all the reasons that we have to be joyful this morning, that we could go on and on and on about. You heard earlier about how we welcomed some of our missionaries to South Africa, and Pastor Mickey and Aaron have received there, and they're expanding the kingdom work to the continent of Africa. That's something to rejoice about. We look this morning, and we see that our sister Karis is home. Our missionary Karis is home safely with us from Haiti, and we rejoice. But it's also the cup of the wine press. It's the place of great pressing. It's the place of great suffering, to have compassion. You heard Pastor Cindy say last week, is literally to choose to suffer with, I won't leave you. And so we look right now and recognize that as I speak these words and as we raise our hands, there are thousands and thousands of people and families that have been displaced and lost their lives in, in Libya due to tragedy that happens from an infrastructure of a broken world. The starvation taking place all around us. Late uh, last evening, news came that yesterday, right across town in one of our own neighborhoods, a young man took out a gun and shot and killed his own mother and shot her boyfriend. And his older brother witnessed all of it. There's great joy, but there's great brokenness. And when we come together in communion, we choose to believe that Jesus is the only thing that's big enough to hold all of it and to hold us in all of it. It's a profound moment for us. So I think about this series that we've been walking through. 
Lord, build your church. And this is where we've been going over these weeks. I, I have a deep desire, and we as Overflow Church have a deep desire to see humanity freed from the orphan spirit, that we would not wander as orphans, but that we would know our Father, and we believe that he didn't just come to give promises to individuals, but he actually came to build a church that wasn't supposed to be another empire. It was supposed to release his kingdom on earth. And when we look like the Father and not like other empires and other orphans, something happens. And I still believe that the Spirit-filled church can walk as salt and light in the earth and carry Jesus. And so what we've wanted to do is slow down in the series and say we're going to take as long as we need to take to talk in these days because listen, you hear it and you felt it. Anybody ever been hurt by church people before? Come on, don't look around the room. They're in the room. We've been hurt by the church. Every other day you can check out the news and you'll see another article about something that happened in the name of God. And yet Jesus said, I want to build my church and when I build my church, the gates of hell will not stand against her. So we said, we're going to slow down. And this is what we've been doing over these series. We, we started and said the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to talk about what God called the church to be. And if you remember, I just want to recap for us now. I want to just give you all fair warning. Look at the bottom of your slide right there. It says, Lord, build your church. And it says two of my favorite words. It might not be some of your favorite words. But then it says, teaching series. So this is going to be about equipping and moving our feet. By the time that we're done today, I believe we're going to look a little bit more like heaven because we responded to obedience together. We started this series, we said, what did God call the church to be? And if you remember, we looked at four things God said the church was. The first one is the church is Jesus' strategy to release his kingdom and to conquer hell. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell can never stand against it. We talked about how gates don't move, people do, right? And so the church is called to set up camp every place in our cities and in our communities. The gates of hell presently resides and to camp there and to stay there until hell flees and heaven comes. Church is not man's strategy. So when people have said, the news is so bad and so many people are exiting church, why aren't you exiting church? Because it's Jesus' strategy. I can feel many days like the disciples, and I know you have. Remember that? Jesus had thousands of disciples following him, and all of a sudden it got hard, and everybody left. And Jesus turned to his disciples, and he said, are you going to go too? They said, Lord, where else would we go? Only you have the words of life. And I want to say the same way today as one who's walked in the church and walked in a beautiful church. I've experienced such deep hurt and pain from church people and in church. Why won't I go build my own parachurch? Because Jesus built his church, and it's the only thing that he said he's interested in setting up against the gates of hell, and I still believe him. The second thing, we said the church is called to be a spirit-empowered family who stays with their father and who stays together. It's not called to be a family like anything else on earth, because if you notice these words... We get to the place where there's infighting, but the church, he says, you remember Acts chapter 2, the first moment of the church, the Holy Spirit breathed upon the church. See, our, our unity doesn't come from our great moral quality as Christians. You don't become a Christian and just go, I'm just a better person than everybody else. No, you receive the Holy Spirit. 
And the Holy Spirit empowers us to be a family that doesn't give up on each other in the midst of all of our weakness and all of our shortcomings. That we stay with God and we stay together. The third thing we shared was that the church is called to be the unified expression of the multifaceted grace of God that restores creation. There were many diverse parts that we look very different, that we have very different gift sets, but that we're called to be one. And the one purpose is to love our God with all of our hearts and to love our literal neighbor as if they're our literal self so that the restoring work God wants to bring to earth we can partner with. Who could be fit for such a task but for the grace of God? And the last we said was this, the church is the object of Jesus' great adoration and his great affection. And she's being prepared as a worthy bride. Talks about how there's a lot of brokenness that can happen in church. And the church is broken, but she's still the bride. And we've got to be very careful how we talk about her. Because I'm the church, and you're the church. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are his church. And so if you remember, we started and said, what is the church called to be? And the last message that I shared with you, I said, we're going to turn the page, and we're going to start to step into how. And we looked at these five gifts of grace that God gave. They're gifts that God gave us for our benefit and for our joy. They're tangible manifestations of who God is on the earth. And we said that all of these graces are in us because the Holy Spirit is in us. And so we talked about these measures of graces. You remember we pulled these cups up here with different measures that came of different liquids that were at different heights. And you saw the picture, something like that. We said there were these five kinds of graces, apostolic grace and prophetic grace, evangelistic grace and shepherding grace and teaching grace. We talked about how each of us have been made distinctly by God and there's something knit in your DNA. And so maybe you're one of these people that comes and says, man, evangelistic grace in my life, it's just like all the way at the top. It just comes naturally. It's the way I see the world, to see people who think they're far from God and to run to them and tell them that God adores them. But man, when I get to, to some of that teaching grace, when I get to the nuts and bolts of how it works, I just don't see that way. I tire quickly. Some measures you're strong in and other measures you're weaker in. But God said that he wanted to build his church so that those measures could raise in all of us. We shared this thought. We said that God's glory in you is the measure of the unique expressions of grace you allow to grow in you and to flow through you. So you have these measures, you have these things, this grace that's come to your life. You have the thing that makes you look just like Jesus. And some of it's natural. And other things you've got to grow in. But what God wants for all of us, somebody say all. all. What God wants for all of us is to choose to flow in the measures that we have and to grow in the measures that are weaker. And he said he wanted to do this through his church. So we shared there, there were two ways. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is the introduction to the message you're about to share. You're still going through the introduction, I promise. As you get this, you can see where we're going. But God wants to build a church. He's put a measure of grace in you. And he said that when we come together, this is his desire. That in two ways, God's going to move through his church. Number one, he's going to call leaders with a calling to build the church. Romans 1.1, the Apostle Paul said, I am called as an apostle. I've been called to build the church. That word means to be divinely selected 
to release something. So we talked about how there are office leaders in the church. People that are called, they're not holier. They haven't arrived more. They don't look more like Jesus. It's just that God has given them a divine calling that in some way they look just like Jesus and they're to give their lives, to devote their lives to building up the church so that each of us would grow in those measures together. But the second thing that God said was that he was calling us to close-knit and diverse community together. Otherwise, we'll always be the blind leading the blind into the same ditch. That we need to be equipped and that we need to grow to maturity. And that when we say yes to both of these things, when we say yes to receive the church, to not give up on her, to receive her leaders, though there's brokenness and weaknesses, and to stay together in diverse community, that God will do something amazing. I want you to see these verses with me right here as we dive in this morning. Ephesians 4, 11 to 16, it says this. It says, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So what's he saying? God gave these leaders to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Why? So we'd be built up. Look at this next word, until. Until, it means you keep going until your daily reality in your cities looks like what he's about to say. That we reach unity in the faith, that we're one. And in the knowledge of the Son of God, that we know who he is. And that we become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. He says, when this happens, we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. But instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament. That's us, and it grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. When the church operates as Jesus intended, we look like the full picture of Jesus on earth with none of the aspects of his glory silenced or sidelined or overlooked. It says that we will look like the whole measure of the fullness of of Christ. Can I just ask, who would like to see that in your lifetime? Anybody? Because I want you to understand, if Jesus hadn't said it, it is scandalous to show up and say that he'd give something like this to us. I've seen us. I've seen me in the mirror. That whole measure of fullness of Christ, I was like, some days, Jesus, I wouldn't even trust me with the car. What are you talking about? But he says that his desire for the church, and may I remind you that Jesus doesn't leave any desire of his unfulfilled. He's going to do it. Somebody else needs to hear me right now because there's been a lot of belly aching about the church, and I hear all of that. I hear all of that. But what I want to tell you is there is a true church, and he is going to do it. The question is, will we be joining him or will we be protesting on the sidelines? If we want to see it, we've got to embrace. And I'm talking corporately here for a minute, and then we're going to make it very practical today. Today's going to be a good news day. Today's going to be a day where we're going to move somewhere. But as the church, if we're ever wanting to see this, then we have to become communities who embrace what each voice brings to the body as a gift. 
We've got to embrace all of the diversity as a gift, but listen to me. We can't receive any one voice as the gravity of the totality of the fullness of God. We can't make any more rock stars and put them up on pedestals. There is one Savior. His name is Jesus. We all carry a measure of who he is, and actually greatness looks like service that empties yourself before people. We said if we're going to be that, we've got to refuse to stop faulting parts of the body for not being other parts of the body. So much angst that I hear people walk into a church and they'll tell me everything they're not. And I say, well, well, maybe that person, I don't know, maybe that person wasn't called to be the savior of the world or that church wasn't called to be the savior of the world, but maybe they had a part. And we're going to be the people that actually looks for the part. We're going to look for the treasure. We're going to look for the gold. And we're not going to allow any person to be elevated as everything. We said that we also have to choose the humility of messy vulnerability that we would choose as people to lean on each other in all of our weakness. I want to tell you this. If you're waiting for the day to say, I will give my life to the church when people stop being stupid, (laughs) most things we get offended by at the church, most. And I want to say there's some toxic and terrible things that have happened in churches. I'm not negating any of that. But I will tell you, 25 years in this region, most things that I've watched in the church are simply fallen people that have been elevated to some place of being expected to be something they could never be. We all desperately need a savior. And so we said that we're going to have to choose to stay with him and to stay together and we'll be equipped. And this last little piece I want to give you, and then we're going to equip it. Here we go. So we said when we see these five graces in our life, we said that apostolic grace will mature you in help, that prophetic grace will root you in holiness that evangelistic grace will anchor you in hope, that shepherding grace will give you a home, and that teaching grace will stir you with great hunger. And so over these next weeks, this is what I want to do. I want to take each of those graces, because for some of you, you've heard about the fivefold graces for many years, and so you're going to hear things again, and what you're going to get from me today is application. For some of you, you're like, did he just say pathetic grace? Was that what he just said? No, it's prophetic, and we're going to talk about what that means. Some of these words sound churchy. And I want to demystify them and talk about what these things are for us because when we walk in it, we will see our cities change. So over the next weeks, these are the same five questions. Okay, so I'm letting you in in advance on where every message is going from here. Here they are. Question number one, what is this grace? Why do we need it? And what are its defining marks? I'm going to define each one of the graces. We're going to slow way down and go from theoretical to practical and real. And remember with each of these, they're all in you. Some of them aren't going to feel like they're in you. Some of them you're going to be like, I guess, if God says that's true and that's in me, that's awesome. But there are going to be others. And I'm going to tell you, sometime in the next five messages we're going to preach, you're going to see something and go, oh, my gosh, I don't know how you nailed me, but that's me. That's how I see the world. That's how I think. That's how I walk. So these graces are in us. We're going to talk about why all five are needed in the church. We're going to talk about its defining marks. The second one. We're going to ask the question, is this your primary grace function right now? Is this where you're called to run and soar now? And I'm going to talk about five tests for that. The third question we're going to ask are, what are the misuses and abuses of this grace? There's a reason most churches choose to just focus on one or two, because it gets really, really, really messy. And we're all uncomfortable all the time when we choose to go after all these graces together. The fourth question we're going to ask is how is this grace being equipped and multiplied at overflow? I'm going to assume if you're here that either this is home for you, you're considering if this could be home for you, or you came with somebody who this is home for them. I'm imagining anybody else, if you thought you were at Starbucks, um, we do have good coffee, but we, we don't have that. 
So I want to talk about what it looks like at Overflow. And the desire is not that we would look. I don't want us to walk out today and go like, oh, that was a nice message. I want for all of us to say we're moving. We're moving. And for some of us today, where you're going to be moving is going to completely change the trajectory of the glory that's released in this city. The fifth question we're going to ask is, how can I activate it now for every person in the room? So here we go. You ready? So I was going to go now, for those of you who like acrostics, right, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, you go, okay, so we're starting with apostles. And that would be true, except our apostle is actually out apostling today. Pastor Lynn is out. He's been sent out. He's at the resting place right now and just spending time encouraging the city, the church in the city of Tampa. And so I said, you know, we're not going to start with that. We can't talk about what it is when the main person that leads that charge for our church is not here. So we went to the next one, and I think it's very fitting because prophetic grace ties into the very core value of Overflow Church, and that's the value of intimacy, that friendship with God is our greatest privilege, and so we make it our greatest priority. So I want to talk this morning about the defining marks of prophetic grace. Why do we need prophetic grace and what are its defining marks? Here it is. Prophetic grace roots you in holiness through calling you to intimacy and dependency. Prophetic grace roots you in holiness through calling you to intimacy and dependency. Now those are all important terms I just want to define real quickly. We talk about the term holiness. It means to be set apart fully for something. Do any of you at home have in your living room, maybe kids here can tell me, does your mom or dad, do you have like mom or dad's chair in the living room that you're like, nobody get that chair. That's, that's mom's chair. Don't even look at mom's chair. Mom sits in mom's chair, right? Or maybe you got up this morning and you've got all your coffee mugs, but there's one mug that's like, that's my mug. Maybe you got that, right? We've got our places, or maybe you've got your seat at the table. That's what it is for something to be set apart. You take something, you say, this is special. This one's all mine. And what the Bible actually says is that when God called us, he called us to be holy. He said, I didn't just call you as another face in the crowd. No, there's something about you that's distinct. You move God's heart in a way that nobody else will quite move it like you. And he says, there's something distinct, and this is what I want for your life. I don't want it to be common. I want to take your life, and I want to set it apart because I've got a special plan for your life specifically. I want you to know me in a very deep way. The prophetic leans us into holiness, and it does it two ways. It does it through intimacy. It's friendship with God. This is Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, being unhurried and unworried. This is knowing the heart of your father. This isn't running to do more stuff, but knowing that you're enough just being his. It's the joy of belonging to him. You watch this every time you see somebody in worship just weeping before Jesus in this moment, knowing I'm so safe and I'm so loved. But the prophetic is also about dependency. When we talk about the prophetic, we're talking about the revelation that we need to refuse to lean on our own wisdom and our own way and our own will. The prophetic is about making much of God. So here's the question. And from this moment, I want to get intensely practical. What happens in your life if the prophetic grace is not activated? What happens in your life if this thing that desperately, and by the way, prophetic, it simply means to preach, to speak out. It's to hear what God's saying and to respond. What happens if it's not activated? Here or in a church? And I'm going to tell you, when the prophetic is not activated, we will find ourselves still eating the bitter fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
If the prophetic is not activated in your life, then you are leaning on and trusting in you and your friends. I want you to look at this quote. It says this. The biggest threat to Christianity in the West is not agnosticism, atheism, liberalism, conservatism, or any other religious or secular ism. The biggest threat to Christianity in the West is the idolatry of self. I decide what is good or bad, wise or unwise, moral or immoral, based on what I want, along with the small group of people who echo and reinforce the world as we desire it to be. Anyone who challenges or disagrees with me is quickly seen as difficult, unloving, or even toxic. Self-reliance and self-dependence are the core fruits of an orphan spirit. We desperately need the church to take seriously the call to elevate and mature the fully diverse expression of what it means to live and look like Jesus. This is what fivefold grace is about, and I will tell you, this is what prophetic grace is about. So what are the marks of this prophetic grace? Number one, if you're one of these people that's strong in prophetic grace, this is what you're going to see about yourself. You make intimacy with Jesus everything. For a prophetic person, intimacy with Jesus is everything. Psalm 63 talks about it this way, a prophetic prayer. It says, you, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there's no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary. I've beheld your power and your glory, and your love is better than life, so my lips will praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. How do you know you're around somebody that's strong in prophetic grace? They make much of friendship with Jesus. They make much of friendship with Jesus. They're constantly talking about how big he is, and they see it in everything. The second is this. Defining mark of prophetic grace. You seek to hear and obey the Lord in everything. So first, you make friendship with Jesus everything. But second, you seek to hear and obey the Lord in everything. John 10, 27, Jesus says, My sheep, listen to my voice. I know them. And they follow me. And for prophetic people, that's not just another Bible verse. Any decision they're going to make, what does the Lord have to say about it? What is the Lord saying? I don't want to lean on me. They are terrified of leaning on their own wisdom or knowledge or way. The third mark is this. He said if you're prophetic, you make friendship with Jesus, everything. You lean on God's voice and everything. But then the third one, listen, it isn't prophetic until you're declaring. The word prophetic means to declare. You declare how to remain on God's path above everything. You declare how to remain on God's path above everything. The Apostle Paul, in a prophetic charge he gave to the church at Corinth, he said this in a word of correction. He said, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband. I promised you to Christ so that I would present you as a pure virgin to him. But I am afraid, just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, so your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. You need to know prophetic people. They're not just much about friendship with God. They're not just happy people that want to go and pray. They care deeply about God's holiness and they burn for justice. 1 Corinthians 14.3, it talks about prophecy and it says that all prophecy is given for our encouragement and our upbuilding and our comfort. And I want to tell you that oftentimes what's happened in a miraculous church is there's a new way we've come to see prophecy. In the old way, the 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s, there was a lot of this heavily corrective prophecy, just angry, militant prophecy, usually against 
to church in America and about how the next thing is going to make us fall. It was lots of prophecy about who the president was and how Reagan must be the Antichrist because of the number of letters in his last name and everything. Anybody remember any of this? Right? Angry prophecy, which is not the spirit of true prophecy because Jesus came. Listen, they, they say, well, we just got to warn people about the curse. I just want to let you know 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to be a curse for us. So if you're still prophesying from the old covenant, you've missed it. Somebody else get that? If you're prophesying angry from the old covenant, you've missed it because Jesus has come and become a curse for us. But here's what happened. After the 80s and 90s, we swung the pendulum so far the other way in this culture of, I just want to be loved, tolerance movement culture. And this is what we've come to say in many circles. If it isn't kind and it doesn't seem nice and it doesn't make me feel good, it's not prophecy. I need you to understand something. When it says that prophecy is for our encouragement, it would help us to know what that word means. Encouragement means to give you courage or to give you your courage back. So sometimes to give courage means you need an encouraging word that you, you show up and it feels good. And you're like, hey, man, you can do it. But sometimes you've lost your spine and you've lost your vision and you're giving into something and you're listening to a lying voice and you need somebody to walk in in Jesus' name and give you your spine back. See, the prophetic, they care deeply about mercy, but listen, they want to declare God's justice on earth. They want to make much of Jesus, and they desperately want the church to rely on God through both friendship with him and deep obedience. Now, I want to tell you something about the prophetic. Like all the fivefold. We all have different personalities and different voices, which means if you wanted to see, well, what does it look like? What does it look like to be a prophetic person? It would be like looking at a kaleidoscope. There's so many different facets, like the facets of a diamond. There's so many different facets and ways this can look that if you compare yourself to someone else, you're going to miss it. So this is what I would tell you. With all of the fivefold, stop measuring against everyone and just bring your measure. Stop measuring. Bring your measure. Because it's not going to look like what everybody else has brought. Let me go a little bit further. If it did, then you're not needed. Hello. If the glory in you looks like, yeah, we got 10 more of those, then you're on the bench in the kingdom of God. We don't need you. You're 11th string. But if you walk in a place and say, I see it just a little bit differently, then that's where glory is released on the earth. So what does it look like? Prophetic grace, what it does for a person or a church is it keeps us relying on God and not ourselves. Can we agree that's important? Okay, so the second question I need to ask is this. Is prophetic grace your primary function right now? So somebody right now say, Pastor Chuck, say, Pastor Chuck. Pastor Chuck. Is prophetic grace my primary grace function? I'm so glad you asked. Let's talk about that for a minute. I want to encourage everybody here in the next few weeks. We've got a five-fold test that is just a, a friend of ours in the kingdom put it together. It's a really great, it's just a tool in diagnostic. It is not perfect, but it will help you see. So on myoverflowchurch.com, it's a five-minute test you can take, and it'll just kind of tell you this is the lens of how you see the world right now. But I want to tell everybody in the room five more ways that you can actually see what grace function you're walking in right now. So remember, the Holy Spirit's in you, so is prophetic grace in you? Yes. Okay? Now, if you want to know if it's primary, there's five ways you can know. The first one is this. Is it my passion? Okay? I'm going to give you a list in just a minute, and you're going to know right away. If you light up on all those and you're like, yes, 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 then you're walking in prophetic grace. Okay? The second one is, is it your burden? When you wake up in the morning, do you think to yourself, yeah, that's it. 
When I was just talking a minute ago about how sometimes we need a corrective word that's going to come. If something lit up in you and you're like, preach, Pastor Chuck, that's what we need. That's the burden. That's you looking and saying, that's what's broken, and if that could get fixed, we'd be where we need to be. The third question I would ask is, is it a place of recognized strength? Do people come around you and regularly say, I see you hearing from God, and I'm going to give you a picture to know in just a second if this is your recognized strength. The fourth would be, is it a need? And this one we need to not miss. Because for some of you right now, what you're going to hear is you're going to look at all this and be like, nope, 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 nope. And then you're going to go home and be like, somebody desperately needs to step up with that prophetic grace thing he's talking about. <laughs> you're going to go to your job and be like, man, if somebody would just start interceding for these people, that would be awesome. But I don't see anybody. You need to know that grace is given as grace is needed. And if it is in you, you should be ready all the time. Somebody say all the time. You should be ready all the time for a grace that you say, that's not really my cup of tea, that's not really how I see it. Well, listen, he's in you, so he will activate it at any moment and you need to stay ready, which means none of these things are ever on the shelf for us. The fifth one, and this is super important, I'm going to talk about this next week when I talk about apostolic grace, is the question of health. Are you healthy to walk in this grace without hurting the body? See, one of the problems that we've seen by toxic leadership over the years in the church is that when you are highly anointed and unhealthy, you work as an autoimmune disease that attacks the body from within. So you can check off all those. You can go, wow, it's my passion. I dream about it all the time. It's my burden. I'm always just saying, man, if we could only do this. I look right now, and everybody says I'm strong at it. And man, there's such a need. And say, why does it feel like God has me on a sideline right now? And I would say, you need to look and say, am I healthy? Because he wants your heart more than anything else. And so if you say, I'm not healthy right now, what he wants you to do is leave your gift on the altar and go be reconciled with your father. So eight signs you're strong in prophetic grace. Here's the checklist, okay? So we're going to be practical. You're going to know right away if this stirs with you. Here we go. Number one, you have a deep prayer life and or you love being still to listen to God. Okay? Now let me point out the word love. When I say you have a great prayer life, you are the people that when you're like, if somebody says, hey, you have nothing you need to do right now, and you could just go sit in your room and talk to God. Prophetic grace people are the ones that are like, yeah! They're also the journalers. Where are my journalers at? Right? If they're like, I'm just going to take a journal, and I'm taking notes, and I'm taking notes on my notes. Listen, anytime you've ever seen me journaling, that's a discipline, not a love. But for prophetic grace people, it's a love. Number two, God naturally speaks to you in a variety of ways. In promptings, in visions, in words, in images, and dreams. Now listen, I need to say this. Does God speak to all of us? Yes. He does. Right answer. Yes. Do we all recognize God speaking? Yes. Absolutely not. Listen, his name is the word. He's speaking all the time. To speak is done by the will of the speaker. So when you say God doesn't speak to me, you're actually putting an indictment out against God. You're actually saying he's chosen to withhold. He's choosing to play favorites in a way that's not helpful. I'm going to tell you, I promise you, he's always speaking. He is the word. And listen, you already have the receptor in you of this prophetic grace that you can hear him. So I need to say to somebody today, because the enemy is screaming in your head going, you can't hear God or you don't hear it right, because you've heard everybody else's testimonies about how they hear God. You need to know you can hear him and you need to know that he's speaking. But there are some people that are so tuned into this hearing, man, they hear God talk to them in every other way you can imagine. And if you didn't know them better, you would think like they're on drugs. You know what I'm talking about? Like, if you just didn't know their integrity, you're like, there's no way. Another vision of angels. Like, come on. Again? 
But they get it. And God speaks. And God moves. Number three. How do you know you're strong in the prophetic? You regularly receive specific encouragement or direction from God for you and or for others. You're regularly getting direct pictures from God of this is the way I think we need to go. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom. Number four, your default on any decision is to stop and ask what God has to say. You don't move without it. So for some of you right now, you're like, nope, that's not me. Because sometimes we treat prayer like it's a last resort. We go and I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to solve it. And so you're going to see a lot of other leadership types. But I'm going to tell you, a truly prophetic person, the minute they hear something, they go, way too big for my pay grade. I'm going to go and ask the Lord what he has to say. And they will sit and they're comfortable in that place. Number five, what you say you've heard from the Lord regularly comes to pass. Number six, you have a high standard of justice and for not offending God's holiness. Number seven, you love to intercede and listen to God on behalf of the needs of others. And somebody's like, I got a prayer request, prophetic people are like, bring it, yes, come on. And you get your journal out and you write it down. And you're like, I'm gonna put this one in pink. This is my pink one that I'm gonna write down because all my, all my words that come on Tuesday after 11 a.m. are in pink or whatever it is you do. It's the way that looks. I'm not mocking, I'm just jealous. Don't measure, Pastor Chuck, just bring your measure. Number eight, you are willing to walk in courageous compassion to say what you sense, even though it may not be understood or it may not be embraced. I want, I want to thank the Lord uh, for a dear brother of mine who's a part of our family. I got to spend some time with him at the prayer burn this past week. Um, Reese Weiland, I can't see where the lights are. There's Reese. Hey, Reese. So I've known Reese a number of years. And what I've always known to be true about Reese as a default is Reese will just walk in a room and he will do it compassionately and he will do it humbly but he will tell you what he believes the Lord is saying. And Reese, you've had to be in a whole lot of rooms where somebody looked at you like, okay, he's nuts, right? <laughs> but that's a mark of a prophetic voice is that he's going to come in and say, I'm going to share what I believe the Lord is saying. I'm going to take the risk, okay? So how you doing, right? Looking at that, are you strong in that grace? If so, I want to spend the next few minutes talking to the prophetic people in the room. So can I just real quick show of hands, if you think you operate real strong in prophetic grace, or it's like, man, that's burning in me, that's something that God's saying I need to highlight right now, can you just lift up your hand? I'm just curious. Sweet! Oh, that's awesome. Okay, I want to talk to you guys for the next few minutes, but listen, it's important that the rest of you don't check out, because sometimes what happens is you get really annoyed by prophetic people, the rest of you who didn't have your hands up, because you don't get them. Because sometimes, Jonathan's leaving, he's out. Um... <laughs> Sometimes we get to the place that we don't understand what they're doing. So prophetic people, this is going to be very, very, very important. I want to talk for just a minute about the misuses and abuses of prophetic grace. If it's here and it's true, there are four warnings I have to give to highly prophetic people, and I give them fully in love, and I give them only wanting to see the prophetic measure in you increase. So hear my heart as, as, a, as a father and as a son. Number one, first warning for prophetic people, the God card. You ever meet somebody who's quick to say, God told me this, God told me that, don't point at them, right? But every time you talk to them, well, God told me that, yeah, God said this, or God says this for you, um, our God speaks all the time. But it can be easy. Somebody say easy. It could be easy for prophetic people to confuse their feelings or their filter with their father. Let me say that again. God speaks all the time, but it can be very easy for prophetic people to confuse their feelings, what I feel in this moment, or their filter. That's their experiences, many of which are about unprocessed pain. 
We see dimly through a glass. Part of that is maturity, but part of that's what needs to still be healed in us. And there are many people who see through their feelings and through their filter, but they simply say it's their father. And what happens when you do that is you will find yourself going beyond what the father said or missing it entirely. I can remember one time when somebody came and gave me a prophetic word. You know what? I'm not going to share that. I'm not going to share that because I love that dear person. Is that okay? I'm going to pivot. I'm not going to share that. wasn't in my message, and I'm not going to share it. I forgive you, and I love you. Okay. Here's the problem about God said. God said is a bulletproof defense. I can't tell you how many times somebody has come to see me as a pastor, and they sat down with me saying, Pastor, I'm here today because I just really want your counsel. And then they proceed to tell me they're going to leave their spouse, or they're going to leave our church, or they're going to leave their job, or they're making some massive, important, overnight decision. And then the next words out of their mouth is, well, God said, blah, 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 blah. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. Feels like the deck's a little stacked. I don't know. In that moment, because if you tell me what God said, who am I to argue with God? And yet I've watched people get offended when I show them what uh, they're saying God said doesn't line up with what God said. You take them to the word of God. In fact, the Bible is called the word of prophecy made more sure. That's actually what it's called. We're told to test every word of prophecy. What does that mean? When you have a sense and you feel something and you understand that you have a filter, your father is still speaking, but we have to test every word of prophecy. So I would just give us this, this strong word, okay? It would be much, much better in a place to simply say, hey, I was praying for you and I felt this sense. This may be the Lord. I just encourage you to test it out because I'm going to tell you the Holy Spirit will honor that every single time. Don't go beyond what you heard. And for the love of all that is pure and holy, don't add your motives through your filter to the word for somebody else. Don't say something that God didn't say is something God said. There's a vast difference between revelation. So this is where I will equip this for you. A vast difference between revelation, that's what I heard or sensed, and interpretation, what it means, and application, what am I to do with it? We would do well to stand simply and humbly upon what we sensed, seeking God's word and seeking community to help us walk it out together. I want to tell you the prophetic when walking in isolation is a war zone for your feelings to take over. We are meant to walk in community and to test the words together. And if you're a prophetic person, you deeply need a teacher near you. You need somebody that knows the word of God inside and outside and can help you understand what you think God's saying by what God already said. The second warning I would give us, the first is the God card. The second is this, highly prophetic people, my, my warning would be about holding judgment or lacking humility. Prophetic people can tend to see the world as black and white as right or wrong. I can't tell you how many times, even when it's come to the word of God, I've had somebody that was a prophetic person just simply come and tell me, well, the word of God says this. God said it, that settles it. I believe it. And once again, there's a huge difference. The word of God is inspired. Your interpretation of it certainly is not. There's a huge difference between the word of God and your interpretation or your feeling or your filter about the word of God. I've seen some with prophetic people, maybe even the view that would say, 
Well, listen, I'm one of the ones that sits at the feet of Jesus. I'm not one of those Marthas. I'm Mary. I sit at the feet of Jesus. I hear him. We've been told that all of Christianity is loving him with all my heart and, and can start to feel like I'm doing the really important things in the kingdom, and I get it, and they don't get it. I've heard prophetic people talk to me all the time about the people that just, quote, don't get it, elevating themselves somewhere higher. And I just want to say this in love. The true heart of prophetic grace should be the recognition that every heart is starving to know the voice of our Father. So if you're a prophetic person and you feel you hear him, it should move you to humility in two ways. One, to recognize you don't hear nearly as well as you're going to hear one day. And two, that person that just doesn't get it was created desperately to get it. And maybe, just maybe, God placed you in their life because there's a glory you carry that doesn't have to be another wall, but it could be an open door for them to step closer to the Father. I would say if you're strong in the prophetic, humility is going to be the key fruit you need to manifest if you expect the prophetic to be fruitful. On the other side of the spectrum, let me speak to all my nice people in the room. Not that anybody else isn't nice, but all our nice, sweet people. There's a third warning I want to give, and that's about only wanting to share good prophetic words. Anybody there? Anybody understand? Come to the place that you're like, oh, man, I, just, I like bringing good news. I want to bring the good news. And God's like, bring this word of correction. You're like, no, I'm, I'm, send somebody else, Jesus. I don't, I don't want that word. I want the word to tell them, like, God adores you. I don't want the word that's like, you know, you better turn around right now or bad things are on the horizon. And we have this tendency, like I talked about before, to confuse pleasantry with prophecy. It's just holy pleasantry. People are just like, here's my prophetic word. Uh, you're nice and you're sweet and God loves you and he's always thinking about you. And that's awesome. And all those things are actually true. But actually the power of God that has to come is often in things that are confounding that we couldn't just figure out by observation. And sometimes those words come in a way that make us uncomfortable. 1 Kings chapter 22 tells a story about a godless king. His name was Ahab. He was the king of Israel at the time. Really nasty dude. And he hated all of his enemies. And so he wanted to go and have revenge and go to war against his enemies. And so he did something. He decided, these are all religious people, so I'm going to get my own prophets. And he got a bunch of his prophets. And they were all like, Ahab, go. You're going to win. It's going to be awesome. They gave every pleasant word you can imagine. God says, Ahab's strong. God says, man, you can fight, Ahab. Go get it. You're going to win. And they all high-fived. And Ahab wanted to talk to one more person, like many people have come to my office before to say, well, I think God said, but Jehoshaphat, who was the king of Judah, he said, I want to ask you, what do you say? And Jehoshaphat said, um, is there any prophet of the Lord, of our God, not the ones that you invented yourself? Is there any prophet of the Lord in the house? And he says this, he says, Ahab, you can read this in 1 Kings 22, it's so funny. He said, yeah, but he only prophesies bad stuff about me. <laughs> All he ever says is bad. His name's Micaiah. Joseph had said, call in Micaiah. And it's a pretty humorous exchange. But finally, when all is said and done, Micaiah says, hey, this is what I saw. Ahab, if you go into battle, it's going to be a massacre. And it will lead to your very destruction. And Ahab got angry because he had all of his prophets, right, that spoke all the things he wanted to say. And this one prophet of the Lord that was just seen as a nuisance. He said, this is what I'm going to do, Micaiah. I'm locking you in prison right now. And you will stay in prison until I come back and show that your word wasn't true. Now, for Micaiah, this is super bad, okay? This is death row sentence, because check this out. If Micaiah goes to prison and Ahab comes back, that means Micaiah is find, found to be a false prophet, which by law was stoned to death. 
So if he's wrong, he's dead. But if he's right, the guy who put him in prison got murdered on the field, and he's in jail. Nonetheless, Ahab leaves. And the scene says that that day a battle didn't take place. It all ended before it started. There was just one random dude out in the field. This is literally how it shared it. That he just took his bow and arrow at random and just went, boom, and just shot it. I don't know, just for kicks. He got bored, right? And it says that this arrow went all the way over to the other side where Ahab was standing. Ahab had the best armor you could possibly imagine. Head to toe. It was thick. It was strong. But there was one little gap right by a vital organ. There was the smallest gap you could imagine. And at random, this arrow comes and pierces Ahab and kills him on the spot. You see, we've got a problem when we start talking about the prophetic and we always want it to be pleasant. Because sometimes the Lord is desperately wanting to give us warnings to keep us from running into ongoing traffic because he loves us. And he will often send people to give courage back to us. And I want you to know that often that can be affirming. It will always be compassionate. A word of prophecy should always be compassionate. It should always be joining you. Often it will be directive, but sometimes it will be corrective. We are not to despise the discipline of the Lord because the Father disciplines those he loves. I think the key for us, if you're giving a word of prophecy, this would be what I would say. Focus a lot less on wanting to give good and loving words and focus a lot more on living a loving life. Somebody hear me. If you're a prophetic voice, Stop worrying about the content of the message God may give you to say and start worrying more about the content of your life. Because I got to tell you, I've watched some people love me like Jesus, give me some hard words, and I could stomach them and receive them because they walked in relationship with me and they sacrificed for me just like my father. I saw him in their eyes. That would be the answer if you don't want to give hard words. The last warning I would give is this, and then we're going to land this plane, y'all. Warning for those who are highly prophetic, is you need to be careful that you don't isolate from community. Prophetic people can have the tendency to say, well, it's just me and Jesus. Prophetic people can be those who say, you know, when I get still before the Lord, it's easy. You hear a prophetic person, they're like, hearing from God, dreams, visions. I mean, come on, Reese, right? It flows out naturally. Reese just gets still and God starts to speak. So for prophetic people, God speaking, that's like, oh, that's awesome. People, on the other hand, people are annoying. People do dumb things, they get in the way with their logic, and this is weird, and I don't understand this. And so oftentimes what happens is for highly prophetic people, they are really, really, really mature in hearing from God, but not really mature in walking with people. And what happens is they start to isolate from relationship because it's easy to hear from God, but it takes great security and patience and boldness to walk in a community with people who aren't strong there, to walk in religious groups of people who will want to call on the Lord and not listen to him, who want to have prayer meetings where they do all the talking and they don't listen. And for prophetic people, sometimes they're like, I just don't even want to go be a part of that. And what I would say is if you could understand there's a glory that is desperately needed that you carry. We need you prophetic people in our communities. But please hear me. Prophetic people, you do not carry the totality of the revelation of Jesus. Sitting and listening before the Lord is not the totality of what it is to be holy. 
And so I will tell you, if you tend to look at your grace as if it's elevated and it's more of the, the important one, then that would be a place where humility greatly needs to come because that's a blind spot you don't see. Well, that felt heavy. Okay, I want to get real practical. I want to answer the question, how are we equipping this? And again, we go through a lot of series that are going to be feel-good series. This is a series that's intended to move our feet. So just a minute ago, I had prophetic people raise their hand. If this is home for you, I want to talk about how you actually take the next step at our church. How do you do that? And we walk as a church. We have three things we talk about as a church. We have corporate worship. That's where we all come together. Then we have these support ministries, which I'm going to define in a second. And then ultimately, we are a missional community church. But we're a church that's led by fivefold leaders. And so our leadership chart, you can go ahead and pull that up. You'll see that on the prophetic of our leadership chart, we have two leaders that are there. And you see under prophet, you see Pastor Ruth and Pastor Cindy. Pastor Ruth and Pastor Cindy are the prophetesses that are guarding this house. They're the ones that are leading the charge. And there's a few ways. If you operate in prophetic grace, I want to activate you right now. So the first one is this. The first one is corporate. When I say corporate, it's all. It's all of us. Where do we celebrate our corporate worship experience? Hint, you're here. Sunday mornings. When we come together, in fact, one of the reasons I get so sad that in America right now, the average faithful church attender comes to church twice a month. The reason that makes me sad, and sometimes they're saying, and I know our schedules, but some are saying, I'll check it out online. There's nothing like us being face-to-face together. There's nothing like what can happen when we can be here, and this isn't just a day to come and sing some songs and hear a message. There are many prophetic activations. If you're a prophetic person, I want to give you a few. 9.30 every Sunday morning right here. We meet for prayer. Pastor Cindy leads us in a time of prayer right here in this room, and we call on God, and I'm watching, Pastor Cindy, the circle here growing. There's a circle of people that are coming, and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I would say, if you operate in prophetic grace, please just set your alarm clock 30 minutes earlier. Come join us at 9.30, and we're praying right there. The second would be this. You see at the end of the service, most weeks, it'll be a little bit different in just a minute, but most weeks I say, if the ministry team could come forward, and maybe you don't know who those people are. Those are all people who have been identified as operating high in the prophetic grace. Why? Because when you need a touch from God, you need somebody to join in and hear God with you or hear God for you. And so if you're a highly prophetic person, I would say you need to see Pastor Cindy and say, I want to be part of that. I would love to be part of standing up here and praying with people and walking with them. That's one of the ways that we walk there together as a church. You see Pastor Ruth co-leading our worship team with Pastor Chris. The beginning of every worship service, if you don't know what she's doing, did you see how Julie came up here and talked at the beginning of the service today? It's not like a little coffee talk. What we're actually doing is activating our faith prophetically. So there are people who will come up and say, this is what the Spirit of the Lord is saying because you've just gone from traffic or maybe yelling at your kids or questioning your salvation altogether, and now you've ended up in church. (laughs) And instead of the first song hitting and going, why don't I feel joyful? And it's like, because it felt like hell getting here, right? (laughs) We have somebody that comes and says, stop. Breathe. Let's hear the Lord together. If you're a prophetic person, you need to go talk to Pastor Ruth and say, I would love to be plugged in to that community to help start bringing some of those words. You see our worship team that walks with a prophetic expression that continually goes. A second way you could plug in would be our support ministries together as a church. Can we pull up that slide? So here's the deal. We are a church that meets on Sunday morning, and we're a missional community church, meaning If you're going to be a member of Overflow, what we're going to say to you over and over and over and over and over and over and over again is you've got to be in a missional community. But listen, between those two extremes, Sunday morning, missional community, 
It does not actually meet every need that you have. And in fact, what we see is our support ministries are kind of specialized ministries about one of the fivefold. So there's a few of them that just include all the people in our church, overflow kids, overflow students, men's ministry, women's ministry, sub-30 ministry. Those are for specific groups in our church to be able to have a regular community with people that are walking on the same path as them. That's awesome. But all the rest of these ministries you see are taking one of the fivefold that would not be met on Sunday morning or in missional community if this ministry did not exist. Does that make sense? So what I'm going to say is if you're high in the prophetic, I'm going to say right away, you got to be here on Sunday mornings and man, plug in early and come and minister. you got to get in the missional community. We're going to talk about how to do that. But our support ministries that are for the prophetic are where you could really plug in. I'll highlight just three right now. You see the prayer ministry um, that is on there. And between prayer and worship, they just did a 12-hour burn on Thursday. It was amazing. From 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., it was open here. And the whole point was not how many people could we get in. It's just we're going to be still and wait upon the Lord. And so every month we're going to continue to do that. Can I ask something? Did you feel something different in worship when you came in this morning? You felt something lighter, something more expectant? I want to tell you, I believe with all of my heart, the reason that's true is because of the way the ground was tilled and prepared on Thursday. So if you're one of those, you're a worship leader, you're a, a prayer person, a dancer, any of that, you come and you need to plug in to that prayer burn. You'll see creative arts there. We have creative arts expressions that Pastor Ruth, who leads our creative arts, is going to be stepping through and walking through with us. And things like learning how to preach and how to dance and how to sing and how to act and how to write creatively, all of it. Um, we have, when's that coming? That's next week. Next week, we've got creative expressions where you can jump in and be a part of that. And then you see the worship team that is taking place here. And along with that, the tech, which is really setting the environment. I so appreciate all of the leaders back there that help us with the tech every week. Uh, it's pretty amazing. So the last way, and this is where we're going to land. Everybody breathe real deep. You guys are like, you always have a lot of content, but good Lord, that was a lot. I want to talk about where we're going to land this. And that's if you walk with a prophetic grace, the number one thing we need to see is you use your gift within a missional community. We want you not just to get into a big room, but to get in a family because that family is where we equip one another. And so what I've asked all of our missional community leaders, real quick, missional community leader, if you're a missional community leader in the room, wave your hands around. Can we give it up for our missional community leaders? They are amazing. Yay. So this is what I've asked our missional community leaders. I've asked them to do two things. I've said the first thing you need to do is you have one of these five graces. You're strong in it, Okay. I want you to bring your strength, okay? So real quick, again, missional community leaders, if you're a missional community leader and your, your strength is in the prophetic, raise your hand. I'm just curious. Okay, we got a few. Sweet. So the first thing I would say to these missional community leaders is you need to anchor that. This whole thing we talked about this morning, you need to lead the way. You need to bring your glory and find the other people with you and let them join you. But the second, can I see any missional community leaders that would say prophetic grace is not one of your top? Just real quick. Yep, yep, okay, so that's pretty even. So for you guys, what I'm going to say is you desperately need somebody that's owning this because if not, what's going to happen is people are going to come in your group and they're going to fault you because it's not happening. So you need to find somebody that's strong. And so this is what I'm going to ask every person in the room. Those who raised their hand and said, I'm strong in prophetic grace, then I'm going to say, yay, we need you here on Sundays and there's a way you can activate it. And there are support ministries where you can strengthen it and grow in it and walk in confidence and start to serve in your gifts and be a blessing. I talked about Reese a minute ago. Reese came and led us powerfully with worship and the word. And so it was a place where he's not only growing, but using his gift. But ultimately, you've got to get in a missional community because that's the bread and the butter of how 
we grow. And so this is where I want to close us this morning. I've asked all of our pastors who are over a five-fold to put together what you call a five-minute five-fold video. It's five minutes to talk about the grace and how to plug it into the missional community. As soon as that's done, we're going to stand and activate it. Check out this video with Pastor Ruth and Pastor Cindy. Check out your email this week with an email coming. (laughs) I was going to have you come up and preach it right now. The prophetic grace, let me tell you this. What we're going to ask every person within a missional community to do, if you walk in the prophetic grace, it's all about hearing and declaring what the Lord is saying. Your job within a missional community is that you're going to plug in and say, that whole point of not first moving and acting and doing and making prayer requests where they feel like they're hitting the ceiling, but being people that would hear God regularly is one of the places we want you to help build. Building friendship with God is one of the places we want you to help build. Standing in places where the Lord says this is broken. You just heard earlier, we talked about needs going on in the world in our own backyard that are broken. Being still and saying, how do we go before the Lord? Prophetic grace leads. We're asking for people to raise up within the missional community. And then every week, Pastor Ruth and Pastor Cindy will be reaching out to those people saying, here's how you can grow that thing in your missional community. Does that make sense? Yay. Well, listen, you just saved five minutes on your day. Go ahead and stand with me. I'm going to ask if you just close your eyes for just a minute. This series is unlike many of the series that we walk through. Because many series we walk through trying to inspire. Today, we really want to equip. So I'm just going to ask right now, there's one charge I want to give for all of us. And there's one charge I want to give for a few of us. But right now as you stand here, if you could just lay your hand on your heart. I've talked this morning about a kind of grace of hearing God's voice, of knowing with confidence what he speaks, of knowing that you're a friend of God, of being able to naturally sit before him and not rush and run, having your ears attuned and seeing that grow in maturity in all of us. And because the Holy Spirit is in you, if you're his child... That grace is in you. So this is what I'm going to ask with your hand on your heart. Would you just ask right now for God to elevate and increase that grace in your life? Right now, hand on your heart. Would you just say, God, I want to hear you more. I want to hear you with confidence. God, if you're speaking, I want to know it. God, I want to walk in friendship with you. I want to be done with the day of, oh, I've got to work on my prayer life or my Bible reading time. I just want to be friends with you. Would you unlock that grace in my life? That first step for us is desire. The second step is alignment. As you're right here with your hand on your heart, can I just ask this? If you are a member of Overflow Church, Would you choose right now to receive and bless the leaders of prophetic grace at this church? Would you bless Pastor Cindy and bless Pastor Ruth and receive what they're bringing? Would you receive your missional community leader? Receive what they're bringing. It's just alignment. It's simply saying, Lord, I'm going to trust your spirit in those people. The last one I want to charge all of us to do is this. 
It's a pivot. It's a move. Will you choose to commit to the environments where you can make this a priority? Come on, for somebody, it's going to be Sunday morning. The Lord's saying, this needs to be a priority. You need to plug in. And I'm preaching to the choir. We're all here this morning. Maybe it's one of those support ministries and you've heard it. And the Lord's saying, you've got to be in it. I'm giving you the space. I'm giving you a way. For many, maybe it's missional community. You saw we celebrated these missional communities growing. But today's the day where you're saying, okay, if I'm expecting it to grow, I can't expect it to grow in a message. It's got to grow and mature in community. I'll commit. There's just one more thing I want to do this morning. I'm going to ask Pastor Ruth and Pastor Cindy to come up front and just stand right in front of the platform. In this last charge, this will be the most powerful moments we're going to spend together this morning. Because we've talked about it. Now it's time to activate it. I'm going to ask, if you feel that prophetic grace is a primary grace in your life, or if right now it is just burning within you, you're saying, I know, that this is the thing. This is the need right now. I'm in a place where it needs to grow. I don't feel strong in it at all, but gosh, I've got to have it. If you feel that's the strength for you, I'm going to ask in just a minute for you to come forward. The altar call is literally your declaration to get out of your seat, and I'm going to ask all the people that feel like they're ready to run in prophetic grace to just line up the front of the altar here. And I'm going to ask, because I believe in the order of how God moves, for Pastor Cindy and Pastor Ruth to just pray and anoint you and agree with you for a greater measure. For some of you, the Lord's going to speak a word. But I believe when we obey, things happen. For some, it would be easy to stay in your seat, but you need to move for you because you've been in the shadows going, yeah, I'm kind of strong in that, and I'll go home and journal about that later. And God's like, I'm calling you out of the shadows into the light. Step forward. So I'm going to ask right now, if that's you, you're strong in prophetic grace, you're ready to receive more of what the Lord has for you, would you step out right now and come up to the front? Would you just come now? Would you come now? Would you come now? Just go ahead and just line up in front, and Pastor Cindy and Pastor Ruth are going to pray for you. I'm going to ask as they come, just make room, just make a line right here, and you're going to face Pastor Cindy and Pastor Ruth. You guys are doing so good. I'm going to ask missional community leaders in the room. If you see somebody in your missional community that's up here, those of you who have not come forward, but you see somebody in your missional community, would you just come join them? Just come and begin to pray that the Lord would release it in their life. And for the rest of us right now, what I'm going to ask is because we desperately need these people to walk in the fullness of what God has for them. Would you just begin to pray? Father, would you pour out on each of these right now? I'm asking for a new measure. I'm asking right now, Lord, for places where it has felt jaded or broken for you to come and heal. I'm asking, Lord, for somebody who would feel like their best days are behind them, that they stepped out even reluctantly, or maybe they haven't even stepped out of their seat yet because they feel like, I've had these moments with the Lord, but he's done, and I want to say, if you're still breathing, he's not done. He wants to give you greater and greater glory. Father, we agree as a body right now and ask that there would be great confidence of the ability to hear your word for each of these that have come forward. 
I'm asking, Father, that it would be a pure reception, that they would be able to come and that the, the misuses and the abuses we've talked about, Father, would you refine those things so that what would pour out of them would be natural, would be holy, would be good. Come on, as they pray, just begin in your own words to just pray for the Lord to bless them. Those of you up front, pray just to receive, Father, here I am, I want to hear you. For those in our seats where we pray, Father, bless them. Because when you bless them, you bless your church, you bless us, you bless our city. Father, release in them. Allow the Holy Spirit to put somebody on your heart and just from your seat, begin praying for God to bless them right now. We're gonna take just a minute here. Father, would you bless? Father, would you move? Father, align your body. I hear God saying for somebody here that he's changing your song. He's bringing beauty from ashes. He's changing your song. That it's been a lot of lament. Even what you've heard from the Lord has felt like a lot of lament, a lot of correction, a lot of heaviness, a lot of bad news. And right now, he says, I want to give you a new lens to see. I want to change your song. I want to bring beauty in where there's been ashes. Would you just receive it? Father, we need to hear you. And we don't want hype, Jesus. We don't want hype. We don't want the stuff we can conjure up. We don't want our own feelings and our own filters. Lord, we want you. Come on, can we agree with that, church? Lord, we want you. We want you to speak. God, we believe that you created us, that you made us, that you're pursuing us. Would you please come and speak? Lord, you are good. We're just going to stay here just a minute. Just continue to pray. And in just a minute, Pastor Chris is going to come and close us. But Lord, would you just multiply, multiply the ability for us to hear your voice, to declare it boldly. Would boldness be released in this room?